Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, woke that morning just about like every other morning, somewhat disoriented and unaware of his surroundings from his inability to see where he was. He was a blind beggar. He felt the aches and the pains in his bones from lying another night under the cold Israeli air. And as he felt the chill over his clammy skin, he felt the stickiness of his damp clothing. But he barely recognized the odor that came from that, his clothes, for this was all that he had. And he had, it didn't matter whether or not he cared because he was a, a blind beggar and this was his lot. As he groped his way to his usual begging spot, his stomach grumbled. He was hungry. But then again, he was always hungry. And so he went to beg. His only hope was that today, perhaps some kind person would offer him a small cake of bread or, if he was lucky, even a full meal. Somewhere within the city gates, a man in a completely different set of circumstances awoke. Zacchaeus awoke in his uh, comfortable bed, warm from a night of uh, restful sleep in his house. He called for his servants to prepare his favorite breakfast. As he went to eat his meal, he finished it. His stomach was full, and yet his heart ached. How can this be? He asked himself. I have everything I could possibly want. I have this house. I have this wealth. I have this great job as a tax collector and everything that comes with it. The money, the power, everything. And so he set off for his day warm and well-fed and yet empty in his soul. Luke presents to us a story of these two men uh, who couldn't be more different. On the one hand, there is the blind beggar who is poor and an outcast of society. And on the other hand, a rich tax collector who has everything that anybody could ever ask. Uh, the passage, the first story of the blind beggar is actually in uh, two other gospel passages. It's in Matthew chapter 20 and Mark chapter 10. Mark, uh, Mark's account tells us that this beggar, his name is Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus. The story of Zacchaeus, we only find here in Luke chapter 19. These are two different men with completely different needs. And yet, uh, and, and there's, there's differences in those three accounts of the blind beggar. And scholars try to reconcile why, why there are these differences. But what is clear is that Luke takes these two stories and weaves them together in this elegant side-by-side -side comparison of a story of the, the of snapshots of faith. These are men that are, are different, and yet their heart, is, their heart need is the same. And this is, he, he lays out a day that would change them forever because this is the day where they would see Jesus. As Bartimaeus came to his usual begging spot, he found his spot, and uh, the day was uh, probably... Uh, very similar to every other day. Uh, Bartimaeus was blind. And they say that blind uh, individuals, uh, their other senses tend to become more uh, sharper and they interpret things a bit more clearly through those senses. There's a, a recent movie in which uh, 
all the people who go outside have to wear blindfolds uh, on their eyes for various reasons. And there's a scene where the family is found uh, training themselves to be spatially aware based upon the sounds that they hear. Uh, these are observable realities which we tend to overlook. But for Bartimaeus, this would have been an ever-present reality. And perhaps as he sat there, he heard the usual uh, business deal at the city gates. And perhaps he had learned to discern the different kinds of footsteps as they passed by him on the dusty road. Uh, he could hear um, the, the sp- particular cadence of a camel being led on foot. He could hear the scurrying feet of children and maybe even the soft and slow gait of a woman carrying her sleeping baby. And as he sat there, the discernible sound of a crowd passed by. And he yelled out, what's going on? To anybody who would happen to listen. And somebody from up ahead said, "Uh, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. Now, Luke doesn't tell us what this beggar was thinking, but he must have known something about this man. Perhaps he had heard as people gathered around him or passed by him of the stories about this man, Jesus, who had healed people of their illnesses. Perhaps he heard about the demons being cast out. Perhaps he heard of the man who taught with authority that people had to listen. But whatever he knew... He knew enough to cry out, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. Now it's remarkable that he uses that title, Son of David. Because this is the first time in the book of Luke that anybody ever gives Jesus that title. And this is a title of kingship. This is a title pointing back to the prophecy given in 1 Samuel 7 in God's covenant to David where he said to David, you will never cease to have a son on your throne. And it is the same chant, the same thing that the crowds will yell soon as Jesus enters into Jerusalem and the people say, Hosanna! Hosanna to the Son of David! Blessed is He who comes in the name of the Lord! And yet this blind beggar knows that this is the Son of David. Had he heard with peaked interest as rabbis talked of this particular prophecy. And somehow he connected this Jesus of Nazareth with this man. Regardless, he yells out, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. Someone in front of him turns around and says, be quiet. But Bartimaeus is undeterred. In fact, he cries out even more, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. The, the, the term that Luke uses changes to one that's more insistent, more desperate, more deliberate. What Bartimaeus couldn't see, Luke tells us, happens. And it's remarkable. Jesus stops. Amid the sounds of the crowd, amid the, the pursuit, their walk into Jericho, Jesus hears the cries for mercy from this blind beggar, this, this outcast, this nobody, this n- nothing of a person, off on the side. Jesus hears him and stops and commands him to be brought. Bartimaeus hears some muffled voices and then he feels some strong arms pick him up 
and bring him. And then, out of the, the quiet, a clear voice, calm, confident, kind, and yet with authority. What do you want me to do for you? Bartimaeus simply answers, Lord, let me recover my sight. Now that seems obvious to us. I mean, he was blind. But that answer is profound. What was he asking for? Lord, let me see the beauty of the creation in which you have created it. Lord, let me see the people with whom I ought to live in fellowship with. Let me, Lord, let me see so that I can live and work and have my being so I don't have to beg anymore. But even more than that, it was, Lord, let me see You. Let me see my salvation. Let me say, as Simeon said, when, he, when you were brought as an infant into the temple, Lord, I have seen now Your salvation, which You have prepared in the presence of all your peoples. Lord, let me recover my sight. And Jesus simply says, recover your sight. Your faith has made you well. Bartimaeus recognized that Jesus was the source of his need. That only Jesus could bring healing to his greatest need. And that faith welled up in this cry for mercy. And that faith resulted in the response that Jesus had to make him well. And it says, and immediately he recovered his sight and followed him, glorifying God. And all the people, when they saw it, gave praise to God. And perhaps, perhaps what Bartimaeus cried out were the words of Psalm 34, where he says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise will continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt His name together. I sought the Lord, and He answered me and delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to Him are radiant, and their faces shall never be ashamed. This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. And all the people glorified God and gave their praise to God. Well, as Luke takes the crowd into the city of Jerusalem, we move into Act chapter 2 of this two-part story. And as Zacchaeus leaves his home warm and well-fed, his eyes work just fine. And yet as he's walking the streets, he does not like what he sees. For his eyes attempt to make contact with every person that he walks by. And what he sees is some people whose eyes dart away. Other people look at him with eyes of scorn and hatred. Some people look down on his short frame sneering because he's got the size of a child. He's a despised tax collector. And he knows it. He's gotten rich on the backs of his neighbors who are also under Roman taxation rules. He has used his power to get what he could get and he has profited from it. And the people hate him. He is rich. And yet he feels 
poorer than that beggar that he knows from the city gates. Zacchaeus is despised and rejected. He is a man who knows great sorrow and is acquainted with grief. And as he turns the corner, he's overcome by this crowd. And because of his short stature, he can't see what's going on. But he hears people in front of him say something about Jesus of Nazareth. And he knows that name. Because he's heard people grumbling about this Jesus, who is a friend of tax collectors, who's gone and visited them. And his heart aches to see who is this man who would care about someone like him. But he dare not think that it would actually be him. He knows his heart. He knows that he has hurt and taken advantage of too many people. He has gotten his lot in this life and he has squandered it. But he's got to see Jesus. And so he cranes his neck to try to see between the the different people and they're just blocking his view. He looks around for a stone to stand on. He can't see anything. And he looks down the way that they're walking and he sees a tree. Could Could I climb that? I don't know. (laughs) And I'm going to give it a shot. And he turns and he runs. And as he's running, he thinks, what am I doing? I'm acting like a child. I'm I'm running. I'm going to climb this tree. But he gets there and he does the best that he can to climb up to this tree. And as as he gets out on the branch, he looks down and he sees Jesus. And he sees this man who looks with intent and care with the people with whom he's walking, listening to them. And, and he's, he longs. He longs to be down there with those people, but he knows there's no way. And he just wants to hear what they're saying. And as they walk underneath his tree, he, he, he listens intently just to hear his voice. When the unimaginable happens, the crowd stops because Jesus stops. And then Jesus looks up at him. And those eyes, those kind eyes look at him and eyes that seem to be piercing his soul where he feels his heart leap but at the same time incredibly exposed. And that joy of seeing this man then turns to terror because he looks out and he sees the crowd. And he is completely exposed on this tree and feels like a fool. I have shamed myself, not just in my life, but in acting like a child. Somebody of my stature to have, to have done this. And ashamed, he, he hears mocking voices coming out from the crowd below. And he knows, he knows that he looks like a fool. And then a smile flashes across Jesus' face. And he says, Zacchaeus, hurry up and come down. I'm coming to your house today. And Zacchaeus scurries down that tree as fast as his short arms and legs will take him. And he comes and says, with joy, he received him into his house. And yet not everybody was rejoicing. Because the crowd looks and says, whoa, they grumble. They say, he has gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. 
And Zacchaeus knows. He knows that they're right. He is a great sinner. And yet, he wants to set the record straight. Because he has seen Jesus, and now Jesus wants to be with him. And now, what was his greatest treasure no longer is his greatest treasure. And he is willing to prove that here and now. And he says, Lord, everything I have, literally what it's saying, not just his possessions, but all of my being, half of my being I give to the poor. And more than that, if I have defrauded anyone, I give it back fourfold. This, this man unwittingly responds with the same heart reaction that Jesus had just demanded of the rich young ruler earlier in chapter 18. And with the law written on his heart, he assigns to him the greatest penalty of having to pay back fourfold of, ever, of those whom he has harmed. And seeing this, seeing the, the repentance out of Zacchaeus, Jesus says, Today, salvation has come to this house, since he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Jesus sees that not just the Savior, but salvation itself has been received by faith in the man Zacchaeus. So as we see these two snapshots side by side, there's a few observations and applications that I think we can take away from this. The first is, faith comes from seeking. Faith comes from seeking. Uh, both Bartimaeus and Zacchaeus sought after Jesus. They, Bartimaeus did not just sit idly by in, living in darkness. Zacchaeus did not simply wallow in self-pity because of his situation. They pursued after Jesus. But there's important things that we need to recognize about this seeking. First off, they sought after Jesus because they knew they had a need for salvation. Bartimaeus understood that he was blind and helpless and, a, and rejected by society. And he needed to see everything but he needed to see Jesus. Zacchaeus was rejected and despised and hated because he had pursued the wrong things in life. And so they sought after Jesus. And the second thing is when, when they were seeking, it's important to realize what they were seeking. Jesus, it's remarkable that Jesus asks him, what, what is it you want me to do for you? And that's an important thing as we're seeking, we, we're all seeking something. The question is, are we seeking the right thing? These two men were seeking Jesus. Or, or more to the point, they were just seeking to see Jesus. There was something that they recognized that just seeing Jesus would satisfy all of their needs. The third thing about seeking was that uh, seeking after Jesus can seem awfully foolish. Um, Bartimaeus cried out to Jesus, and he was told to be quiet. Shut up, you. You don't need to, you don't need to, you're nobody. You don't, need to, you don't need to bother the teacher. Stop. Zacchaeus had to act like a child. He had to have the faith of a child to, to run and climb and to be 
exposed in front of all those people. In pursuing after Jesus, it is often that we will look foolish in the eyes of the world. We need the faith of a child just to, just to get a glimpse of who Jesus is. But the most important point is that these men could only seek after Jesus because Jesus was seeking after them. He was seeking after them. It was Jesus who put himself into a position to be sought by these men. It, he was the one that was passing by their way. But even before that, Jesus' works, his acts, even his teaching, he had built up a reputation that spread as people gossiped Jesus and, t- and told about all the wonderful things that he had done. He had, he, he had sought after them and what he had done had reached their ears so that they knew him. But Jesus was the one who chose to go to Jericho on his way to Jerusalem. Jesus, the creator and sustainer of the universe, had created trees and had created that tree to grow in just the right place where Zacchaeus could climb. And Jesus was the one who stopped and listened. Jesus was the one who looked up at Zacchaeus and said, I am coming to your house this day. And he puts a point on it by saying, when that salvation has come, he said, for the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. These men were seeking after Jesus, but only because Jesus was seeking after them. Do you realize that Jesus has put himself into a position to be sought by you? From all eternity, God has purposed to save a people for himself. And over thousands of years, by his Spirit, he proclaimed his word through the prophets, which was recorded in our word, in his holy word, so that we might know it. And over thousands of years, by his word and spirit, he has preserved his word and his church through the faithful preaching and teaching of the gospel and by the living out of the saints. And he has put you in a position to hear his voice through his word. And perhaps you have heard that voice. And if you have heard that voice, do not harden your heart but seek after Him with all of your heart, for He is in a position to be sought by you even today. Well, the first thing is faith, uh, faith causes, comes from seeking, but seeking results in seeing. Um, sure, the blind man ends up seeing Jesus, and sure, Zacchaeus ends up seeing Jesus, but the real important thing is that Jesus ends up seeing them. It is Jesus who stops to look at Bartimaeus that brings true salvation. It is Jesus who stops to look up at Zacchaeus and results in him coming to his house. And perhaps you're in here and you've been investigating the claims of Christ and you've heard about this Jesus. You've heard him gossiped. You've heard about hope that comes only in Jesus and salvation, and you're wondering what that means. And perhaps you feel a little bit like 
blind Bartimaeus, hopeless, worthless, cast off. Or perhaps you feel a little bit like Zacchaeus, like you've pursued all the things that you wanted and you've gotten all the things you wanted and yet you still have this ache in your soul because it's just not it. See Jesus looking you in the face and saying, what is it that you want me to do for you? Let me encourage you to just ask, let me see Jesus. Or perhaps you used to see Jesus, but that seems like a bit of a distant reality. Uh, The cares of this life have just kind of started to obscure your vision, you feel a little blind in being able to see Jesus. You, maybe you've gotten on hard times financially, or maybe it's just the riches that have kind of obscured things. Or maybe you've been distracted by your guilt, or your shame, or your loneliness, or your imperfections. But knowing that Jesus sees you for who you are can be terrifying. Because if you are honest, he will see the blackness of your soul and you will want to hide behind anything you possibly can. And yet, Jesus intentionally stops and pays attention. Scripture tells us over and over that God from His heavenly throne looks down on us and cares for us. And in the midst of knowing where we are, while we were yet sinners, He sent Jesus to die for us. Knowing the blackness of our heart, knowing the blackness of your heart, he sent Jesus to stop and look and save. And so, remember the the parable of the persistent widow. Remember that, that widow that would keep crying out for mercy. Doesn't that sound an awful lot like Bartimaeus crying out, Lord, have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. Let that be your heart's cry. Lord, have mercy on me. He looks at you and he asks, what is it for you that you want me to do? Ask him, let me recover my sight. Let me recover my sight. Seeing Jesus is believing in Jesus. It is recognizing Not with physical eyes, but Paul says the eyes of our heart. Spiritual eyes to see that Jesus is our soul, heart's longing. He is the treasure that we're seeking for and that God is extending Him to us. And so we ask, let me see Jesus as my treasure. And see in this passage and think about what what it cost Jesus to save these men. Jesus was headed to Jerusalem and He would be blindfolded and ridiculed and scorned to save that blind man and give Him that sight. And Jesus would hang exposed on a tree enduring the scorn and ridicule that we had earned, that Zacchaeus had earned, so that Zacchaeus could come down and that Jesus would dwell at His house. And more to the point, so that we could dwell in Jesus' house. So that we could dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Jesus did that for us. 
Seeking after Jesus brings that seeing, and seeing is salvation. And so, in addition to seeking results in seeing, seeing responds in rejoicing. The blind man sees, he, it says, immediately he recovered his sight and followed him glorifying God. And Zacchaeus was filled with joy being able to have fellowship with Jesus. This sinner who now became known by the friend of sinners, he rejoices. And rejoicing in our salvation, part of that is repentance. And that's what happens in Zacchaeus's heart. He, he now has a new treasure. The things that he had treasured were empty. And now that Jesus is the treasure of his soul, that, that lock that the, the finances had had on his heart has been broken. And Zacchaeus is free to give it away and respond with that same heart response that Jesus had asked from the rich young ruler. But there's not just rejoicing there. There's also rejoicing in heaven. It's not here in this particular passage, but we know that Jesus has said that there's, there's more rejoicing in heaven when one sinner that repents. When one sinner that repents. Uh, Zephaniah chapter 3 talks about how the Lord rejoices over us with singing. He delights in repentance. He delights in our salvation. Seeing results in rejoicing. And yet there's one other aspect of this which uh, Luke throws in there, which is interesting, which is the reaction of the other people. It's not just Bartimaeus and Zacchaeus, but there's the crowd. Because in, in the story of Bartimaeus, Bartimaeus receives his sight, and it says all the people, when they saw it, gave praise to God. But when Zacchaeus seems to exhibit that faith, it says they grumbled. He's gone to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. It's a lot easier for us to rejoice at the salvation of somebody that we pity than of somebody who has pained us. And I think, and I know, the Lord would have us rejoice with all salvation, with every sinner that comes to faith. Perhaps there's somebody that is in your life that has hurt you and has exhibited signs of faith and repentance. And you would rather say, because I know it, because I do the same thing, Lord, pour out your wrath and judgment. Don't be merciful to him. Don't be his friend. We must be humble. Because if we hold up that standard... Where would we stand? How many of us can say that we have never caused pain to somebody else? And yet we want that grace for ourselves. We, we have to be humble so that we don't have a prayer that says, Lord, thank you that I am not like other people, just like that tax collector. And Lord, pour out your wrath on him. We need to rejoice. We must rejoice because the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost, even those who have caused us pain. Seeing responds with rejoicing. One of our favorite songs 
that we sing, and we're going to sing it in just a moment. Amazing Grace says this, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found, I was blind, but now I see. Beloved, we must rejoice because Jesus, because God, God Himself loved us enough to send His Son, Jesus, to seek and save the lost so that we could hear His voice, so we could cry out for mercy, and we could receive what our heart is truly longing for, that we would see Jesus. Let's pray together. Well, gracious and loving Heavenly Father, Your mercy is so wonderful to us. And we pray that You would give us this faith like a child that we would cling to Jesus and the sight of His beautiful face. We pray that our hope and our trust would be in Him and Him alone and that we, He would be our heart's treasure. We pray that that would now resp- would result in our heartful, joyful singing as we do that even now. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.